Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, welcome to the Hit or Die podcast, episode eighty-eight. We're here, at Bush League sixteen, with assistant coach at Fresno State, Pat Ware. Uh, thanks for joining the show. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me for the second time. We had you on episode forty-seven. That was Zoom, uh, though. That was one of our first Zoom calls. That was Zoom. Um, so, if you guys want to go back and check that out, that was actually a really good episode. Uh, a lot of good information there. Best thing about that episode was. The, uh, Black Magic Prom story. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good story. I, You know, a little inside information is that's we ran out of Zoom time. <laughs> that's right. And it did. ended, and we lost literally half of it of the video. That was my bad. Yeah. Uh, we've since fixed that. But, yeah, that was uh, interesting. That was a good one. I, I, I would definitely suggest going back and listening to that. And Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. Our, today's the last day. If you uh, uh, code hit or die, uh, you get free shipping. Uh, which you guys won't. This will be, this will be out already. This will so, be out already. Uh, thank you for anybody that went to Trinity and used our code hit or die. Um, we appreciate it. They're great family run business. Uh, and you used it. So yeah. Um, I, I love their bat. The birch bat is, is the best wood. I think I love the birch wood. I don't know um, when it came out, when they started using birch, but towards the end of my, my career, I got a birch Trinity bat and it was like, it was my favorite bat. And I broke it in BP. And that's like the worst time to break a bat. It was like freaking <laughs> BP. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love their product. And when we went down to see Fullerton and UCLA, we had to hit them up. And they showed us around. And it was amazing to see what they do uh, with the, how they make the bats and stuff. And um, kind of been a pretty good relationship ever since. Yeah, it's a great family. They, they do a great job. And they have a lot of good big leaguers. Um, uh, and people don't know they're not a contract uh, bat company. They don't like to put their guys in contracts. They kind of give them the freedom to. I didn't know that to come to us. Yeah, so they don't. They're not a big contract bat company. They like to just, uh, you know, they make it more family like. So every now and then, guys will use wood bats and BP uh, at state. Usually on you know when scouts are around and as we get closer to the draft. But you guys had Bobby Jones on here not long ago, and I remember Bobby coached with us one year, and when he threw BP, you could see that gleam in his eye when a guy would take a wood bat up for BP, <laughs> and he'd just get on the side of the seams a little bit and hunt the end or hunt the hands. <laughs> Firewood? Just, yeah. He, I mean, he, we could almost break a college kid's wood bat at will. It was pretty funny. Yeah. No, thanks. He's like, oh, you want to see the sinker for the last 10 years? <laughs> yeah, <to> yeah. <laughs> Let me remind you how I used to get big leaguers out. Let me snap your bat for you real fast. Um, um, and then the 
hit or die store will be uh this episode will go out and the all the items will be shipping um probably either the day this goes out or, or the next day so um thanks again for all the guys that bought stuff on the store they'll get there before christmas yeah being patient so. yeah it's been uh been a process but it you know we appreciate everybody being patient uh congrats also you brought it up when you walked in the door uh, jordan brink getting yeah. picked up with the uh tampa bay uh, rays organization yep. 24th pick rule five another great opportunity for a great kid who's been through an awful lot in terms of injuries i mean when he i remember taking Bates out to see him he was playing for brad fonts out at central and really liked him as an arm obviously but he's a left-handed hitter in uh in high school and and Bates is a pretty good hitting guy and he gets really excited when he see a guy on that side of the plate and so he's convinced I'm gonna make this kid hit man Brink's gonna hit he's left-handed he's got bat speed he's athletic and, and Jordan settled on pitching down the road but his freshman year <laughs> I don't know who scared me more when I coached third because when there's a runner on second, you know, you're back to the plate a little bit. You're watching the middle infielders and talking to the guy at second base. And when Judge was up, if he yanked the ball down the line, you're not getting out of the way. You're just going to wear it. And there were a couple screamers that made me flinch more than once. But Brink is a left-handed hitter. I don't know if I've ever met a guy that could square a ball up into the third base dugout more <laughs> often than Jordan Brink, man. He rifled some balls into there. He just had a late trigger. So pitching is definitely – he made the right move. Yeah, no, and he had another episode of the podcast. Go back and check that one out. Yeah, you're right. A lot of uh, injuries and overcoming and been through a lot of stuff, man. It's been cool to see him kind of – Especially when he's you know, he's working with a lot of kids now. He's working with a lot of kids that my son knows on the mound, and I know he spent some time with some of our guys at State during the quarantine. And not just his ability to – teach and coach but you know you can really relate to a lot of those guys that have been hurt and been injured and how to fight through some of that stuff and um that's a huge quality in a guy if he's going to end up coaching someday which i think jordan probably will i know he finished his teaching credential too and he subbed a lot um you know when that baseball opportunity finally does end which hopefully it's you know seven or eight years from now after a little bit of a big league career but he's going to be a fantastic coach someday no, i agree uh also there's a, a camp coming up uh labby sent me a, a flyer for uh trotsky camp at emmanuel uh sports complex uh it's next wednesday december 16th uh you can go i think we posted the flyer on our twitter and you can go to trotskybaseball.com uh to register and get involved with that uh and then again follow the podcast on uh itunes spreaker spotify iHeartRadio. subscribe here on youtube uh like comment um we're going to get into it finally. Uh, Bush League, we kind of just mess around, shoot some topics out there. And the first one, some of the big news earlier in the week, was that uh, for 2024, the Olympic Committee took baseball out. Uh, and I think it had been in... And then it's going to be back in 2028. 2028. Makes no sense to take I it I think out. it's back in Los Angeles. So, it, yeah, I don't know why, but uh, thoughts? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I always thought I missed the boat as a break dancer. I mean, I had some opportunity in the eighties growing up, you know, break dancing was a big deal. And, uh, well, we, we have some audience members today. My mom, I always wanted the Alfonso Ribeiro break dancing video set that you could buy that came with instructions and a floor mat with steps to do. And, um, I don't know if you guys know who Larry Tiger is or not, but 
Larry coached with me for a lot of years, and we coached against each other for a lot of years. And he was the break dancing club president at Selma High School in 1989. I don't know very many people know that about Larry. Larry's had two sons go through Clovis High. They're both at Reedley College now playing for Coach Purse. And his daughter plays softball at San Jose State. So a very athletic family thanks to their mom. <laughs> um, but Larry's a phenomenal break dancer. In fact, the other day in Costco, my wife and I ran into him, and he moonwalked for us just to show me that he could still do it. So uh, I don't know why they keep bouncing baseball out of the Olympics. I mean, I know a little bit of it is, you know, the big league guys can't play or won't play because of when it's Yeah, I think that's a major league. That. I've, I've read where Manfred is like, he doesn't want that. He doesn't, yeah. It's a conflict. It's The owners don't like it. Right. Um, but I thought it's, it's done well with... Well, you look at all the, the minor guys league that guys played. that can play and the college guys that can play. I mean, I remember back in, I was, uh, I think it was 12, I went to Fullerton's baseball camp in 84. and The Olympic team practiced there on a couple occasions while we were at camp. And looking back on it now, it was guys like Will Clark and Rafael Palmero and Mark McGuire and Bobby Thigpen and that whole group that went through uh, the 84 Olympics. And I know there are other countries that use professional players. Um, and the United States, I think we've won, we won gold in 2000, I believe. And one of my former college teammates actually played on that team, Mike Kincaid. Um, but to not have baseball in the Olympics just seems like a, it's a summer sport. It's a summer Olympics. Yeah. It's a travesty. So. Yeah, I agree. So they've replaced it. They've confirmed I got four new ones. Okay. Uh, so breakdancing is one. Which I'm all for that. Uh, I mean, we stomp, need more stomp the Yard is one of my favorite movies. Oh, what was the other one? Oh, that was a cheer movie. What's that cheer one? Bring it on. Bring it on. Is it a dance one or a cheer that's, one? That's cheer. Okay. You're way off. I've never seen Maybe it. Maybe step up. I've never seen it. Sorry. Uh, skateboarding is going to hmm. be an Olympic sport. Tony Hawk's got to get ready for that, right? Yeah. Sport climbing. What is it? Sport climbing. It's called sport climbing? That's what it said. It's like rock climbing? Or is it I that? Think it's or a is fake, it that? like a wall, like okay. a climbing wall. I'm not sure. There's that one where it's, uh, you guys might know, Pat's kids are here, his yeah. two sons, uh, Jackson, Jackson and, and Alex. Alex. Yeah, Jack's a sophomore at Clovis East, plays water polo and baseball, and Alex is a sixth grader at Freedom Elementary, and he plays baseball and soccer and football. And then we've got Bradley, who's not with us today, plays baseball also, and Brenna, who plays water polo. She's a sixth grader as well. Um, so busy. Nice. Yeah, we're busy. We were you guys, busy. What's that where you, is it parkour? Yes, where the, they run, yeah. that, that, the, they like climb walls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where, without yeah. like they yeah. jump on buildings and climb yeah. and jump across. It's insane. Stuff. Maybe that. How is dad's breakdancing skills? Yeah. Does dad have breakdancing skills? Never? Okay. I try. I just, I, it's kind of like um, singing for me. I do it when no one's home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other one they confirmed is surfing. So the four that I, I saw confirmed for sports for 2024, I, sk- skateboarding. I, I can see surfing being good. I mean, if you've, have you ever been down to the uh, Vans Open down at the beach in the summer? I have not. It's pretty cool. It's yeah, I mean, really I, cool. I, it's fun to watch. Those yeah. guys are pretty insane. I yeah. mean, I could see surfing, skateboarding, but the other two, I just can't. I don't, I don't know if I could justify sport climbing. Like, it's not even like rock climbing or anything. I don't, I don't know. And then breakdancing. What right? about prison escaping? Is that the same thing as sport climbing? <laughs> you got a couple of Dobermans chasing you through the yard. You got to get over the fence it and the barbed wire. qualify. I, they can maybe do some parkour in that. You know, the surfing deal, Brad Fonce's wife is a twin. And her twin sister and her husband 
they run, or at least they used to run that surf deal out in Hanford, the lake that's out there with the, they've had surfing competitions. Oh, like the wake surfing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know their son's involved in running it. I think in some way, but I know they've had some, they have professional surfing competitions out there. Yeah. The one that's suspect is definitely break dancing. Um, I I like the break dancing. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're going to watch. I mean, oh, for sure. Absolutely going to watch. I mean, right, now, so are, are like, are they defending when they break dance? Like, can a guy one be, on one or it's team? like doing, rap battling, right? Is it bad? I don't know. Like, can you tackle the guy doing a head spin? <laughs> I don't beat know. Him? And I, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That I would watch that for sure. I wonder what, like, the uniforms would be interesting to see what the country's. Oh, MC Hammer Pants. Yeah. For like, sure. What are you, what are you rolling with? Uh, yeah, we'll have just one of those games of wait and see. Full contact break dancing would I would watch that a hundred percent. Pat Hill coach one of the teams. That'd be that would be awesome. Anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Punt coverage would be good. Yeah, uh, and they probably would form tackle really well. Uh, for sure. And, and blocking. I mean, they'd be physical. That'd be a physical yeah. dance team. Yeah. Uh. The other news that came out, and this has been kind of both sides of the fence, people for, people against. I think we're all kind of in agreement, but uh, the Grizzlies will be a low-A home uh, uh, Rockies Rockies affiliate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I've seen people say, oh, it's, you know, it's low-A, it's high school, you know, college kids that are going to kick the ball around, and it's not going to be good baseball, and... Again, where do you guys stand on on that news and the baseball that is going to be played? I don't know. I mean, to me, the big league games become almost unwatchable sometimes. It's so bad. What do you hate the most about it? I wish guys would stop striking out so much. I mean, have some pride in your at-bats. Is it kind of one where where do you start with this list? Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a long list. But, I mean, you get a low A team in here. It's professional baseball. and, And people, I think, are either misinformed or unaware of the fact that Professional baseball players are very good when you compare them to college and high school players. A lot of people say, well, Division I baseball is like double-A baseball. No, it's not. It's not even close. Um, guys that come out of Division I baseball, low-A is typically their second year in pro ball. So you're going to have some really good and very talented players. Now, are they as polished as guys in AAA? Probably not because those guys are a little bit older. I mean, they've been playing a little bit longer. you got a lot of big league guys who are on rehab assignments or guys with big league contracts that are in triple a 40 man guys that are in triple a. And so is the baseball better in triple a? Well, yeah, it's better in triple a. It's better in the big leagues too. But I mean, you're going to see a lot of prospects roll through here. A lot of high draft picks roll through here, either on the Rockies team or on other teams. Um, you're going to get more regional rivalries for sure. You got Visalia right down the road. They're in the same league. You got Stockton right up the highway. They're in the same league. Um, it's professional baseball. And, and Fresno's a difficult town to travel in and out of by airplane. And I know that guys who have played in AAA and played with the Grizzlies have shared some of their, not horror stories, but difficulties about their travel experiences because it's a jet league. AAA is a jet league, um, both the International League and the PCL. And you got to have an airport that can accommodate all those flights. And Fresno doesn't always do that. Um, because of the choices you have to fly out of, and they're, it, it's it's more economically feasible, I think, for the owners also. But Major League Baseball has been trying to pare back the minor league system forever, and this the COVID 
experience has given them an opportunity to do that. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but um, I think Fresno should feel very fortunate that, that we are still on the board to have professional baseball in our town. It's a great baseball town. And if people go out and give it a chance, I think they'll enjoy the experience just as much. The new Grizzlies owners, owners have done a really good job with their fan experience stuff and their promotions and, and all that. And I don't think people are going to notice the average baseball fan I don't think is going to notice any difference in their experience they have going to a Grizzlies game now. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, you know, better even for like Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, the high school guys, they, it would be better for them to go to this low A to see guys like two years older, three mm-hmm. years older. Look where they are compared to where I am. Right. You know, you're going to, but now you're going to even go see uh, a Latin kid that mm-hmm. is your age. Right. Playing. No, I'm dead serious. I hear you. That's been in the system for two years already mm-hmm. at 14. That looks like he should be in AAA, and you're going to be like, holy crap, that's that's the level I need to get yeah, to. Yeah, because he's only, he's only 18, right? Well, no, he's, he's, <laughs> he's 16 now. He was 14, now he's 16. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? So you're going to, that level of baseball, yeah, you're going to see, they're kids playing. You're going to see, you know, mistakes or whatever. But you got to understand, Major League Baseball, Nobody wanted Fresno. Nobody wanted Fresno as a AAA ballpark. So Fresno, as a baseball town, need to understand. Like you said, we're lucky to even have an A-ball team in here. When we, So now we have – and not a lot of cities have professional baseball. No, they don't. And, and not a lot of cities have a premier Division One college no. program and a, and a bunch of good junior college programs and a good Division Two program. So, I mean, we should be proud of what we have. I think going back to what you said about – kids being close in age to those high school kids that can go out and see games. I think that's one thing. If I could encourage high school kids to do anything, if they're not already doing it, go watch City College play. Go watch Fresno State play. Go watch the Grizzlies play, the Visalia Rawhide. Those, that's where you want to get, right? That's the kind of player you think you are or that you think you're going to become. And see how good those guys really are. Um, or even the level jumps. Yeah, it's gigantic. Yeah, you can definitely see the difference. I don't think most kids get that. No, they don't understand the – even from high school. Like if you're a high school player, because everybody's D1 and bust, the jump from high school past JUCO, because mm-hmm. I was a JUCO guy. Did you go to JUCO yeah, first? Bakersfield. Yeah, so JUCO – high school to JUCO is already a jump. Then JUCO mm-hmm. to D1 is a jump or D2, NAI, whatever, four-year. But going from high school straight to a four-year, you're passing up a jump. Yeah, if you go watch City, Fresno State – um, I mean, we went to a bunch of Fresno State games this last year, and uh, I loved going back out there and watching you guys. Um, it was going to be a good season. I'm, it, I know yeah. it, it sucks the way it ended, but, um, but yeah, I do. I, it, guys need to get out there, and that's the problem. Kids don't go out and watch baseball like they used to. Our, Ron's players at City are really good. Our players and all the teams we play against in Division One baseball – are really good. They're talented. I mean, people, you hear people make comments about school X and school Y about, uh, you know, maybe my kid could go there if they don't get into this school or they don't get recruited by LSU. They just want to go to this division one. And they speak of it as if they don't have good players. And I think that was the biggest thing I noticed going from Fresno state to Washington state. When I made that move a handful of years ago from the, the whack at the time to the PAC 12 is Everybody's got good players. The, the position players, there was very little difference other than you stick a Michael Conforto in Oregon State's outfield. And 
you know, there's the, the guy here, the guy there, but you could say that about us. We had a guy like Aaron Judge, or we had a guy like Sustor from Muno or whoever. Everybody's position players are about the same, and they're all really good, whether it's Fresno State or LSU or North Carolina or Oral Roberts or Fullerton or whoever. They can all run. They've all got bat speed. They've all got all those physical traits that got them recruited. The difference was the pitching depth between the Pac-12 and the WAC at the time. Whereas, like, you could get to a certain school in the WAC's bullpen and you were going to score five, okay? You get to UCLA's bullpen and the game's over. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have the lead, the game's over. He, you know, Savage brings out Powell. David Berg and you might as well walk up to the plate with a glove, catch it, and roll it to the shortstop. It's a ground ball to the shortstop. <laughs> Just keep on walking. Whether it was a sinker or a slider from that three-quarter arm slot, when you get into schools like that, their bullpens, they're deeper because they attract that higher draft pick because of the level of the degree they have and all this other stuff. So they just have more arms. So their bullpens are deeper. But the position players are the same. I mean, and they're all really good. Everybody's got really good players. I mean, UNLV had a first-round draft pick as a shortstop a couple years ago. He's fantastic. And everybody's got – and they roll their backup shortstop out there after we were blowing him out one day, and he could pick it. Everybody's got good players. So if you're going to go to an A ball game, whether it's high A or low A, you're going to see really good players. You're going to see professional baseball players, high draft picks, guys that have the same skills that big league players have. They just haven't put it all together yet. So that's yeah. a great point. It is. And, and I was seeing people talk about uh, you know the difference between triple A and the professional game. And I'm thinking, well, obviously, but also the game is the entertainment value at a AAA game is still different than a oh, professional. Yeah. They're still doing the dancing dinosaur right. at AAA. You're not seeing that at, at the Giants. So Nobody's rolling out behind home plate at Yankee That part's not going to change. Doing the dizzy bat Whether spin. And yeah, they're still going to have all the fun yeah. stuff. And Kids running the Paw bases. Night and, and you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's not going to change from low A to AAA. They're still going to do those advertisements, and that's how they generate revenue. Somewhere. I mean, I consider myself, besides the breakdancing thing, <laughs> It's a bit of a taco connoisseur. <laughs> okay. I mean, every kind of taco you can think of, from Speedy Zapatos on Blackstone to Tito's Tacos in Southern California to the taco truck on Mountain View on your way to Dinuba. So the fact that the Grizzlies bring the taco night and they bring it, like, I'm all in on that. Man. I, don't ma- care. I don't care who's playing. They made the renovations, right? They got the beer yeah. garden now. And yeah. Yeah, I think, I think. I also think that, you know, and people – don't like me as it is, so I really don't care. But I think Fresno talks a <laughs> big game. Says who, Chad? They talk a big game as it is. And and the funny thing is a lot of people that talk about it don't even go to the games as it is. Because yeah. a lot of people don't like where the, the stadium is, which is understandable. But it's like, so if you don't go to the games, then don't talk about it. Yeah. And and I'm that's why I don't really say anything, because I don't go. I don't... You know, I don't go to a lot of the games, but I'll go when a kid's night is because I'll take my kids to it. But because my kids aren't old enough to go sit through a whole game mm-hmm. yet. But um, I went a lot when I was younger when they were still playing at Fresno State because oh, yeah. I had teammates that were still playing guys in the PCL. And then I didn't go for a lot of years. And then I had former players that played for me in the PCL. So we'd go to games then, too. So now, you know, when, when I, you know, as a baseball coach, you guys know this, you're you're inundated with baseball constantly so you know the last thing you want to do on a tuesday night when it's 110 is roll downtown to watch a game but if i've got a vested interest in it if i know a kid playing or whatever we'll go 
Um, or if we get tickets, we'll go or whatever. But the level of play is never determined whether I show up at a game or not. I mean, I'll roll out to a high school game whenever I get an opportunity and watch that because it's, it's baseball. And for people who are frustrated with professional athletes and all the things that people complain about with pro guys, go watch a low A game, watch some guys that are hungry, some guys that are scratching and clawing to get to the next level or get better or, or make it to the big league someday or a JC game or a high school game or a college game. I mean, if you really appreciate the game, it doesn't matter what level it's played at. And I think there aren't as many baseball fans like that or they're used to there aren't as many people where it's just like it's in your veins you can't get it out I mean I'm 48 years old I'm still coaching and I should probably not be I should probably be mowing my lawn every day and just doing that kind of, I just I can't I can't stop it now I see that some of my kids too you know you can see it they're it's in their veins they can't get it out and and I don't know if there's that many people that truly appreciate baseball in that way anymore um, because it's become such an instant gratification entertainment industry. Like, why do people like football so much? You played high school football, Jake. I don't know if you played high school yeah, a little football bit. or not. No, he was a tennis player. And, yeah, I did a <laughs> um, did, did little bit of football. I played high school football, and I coached high school football for about 10 years. Um, so when I watch a game, I, I, I'm watching the interior. I'm watching what the linebackers are doing. I'm watching a guy check at the line of scrimmage. But in my opinion, and I'm not saying I'm right, I think most people gravitate toward football because they believe it reflects their personality if they're a fan of a violent sport. like It makes you more of a man if you like football than baseball. Um, and, and I've coached a lot of football, and uh, I don't think people have a deep understanding of the sports they're watching all the time. And so they need that loud noises, crashes, impact, contact, all that stuff to appreciate it. Baseball is just not that kind of sport. No. You got to, you have to understand the game. Right. And it's I, not res- I, re- I resent your tennis remark. I did play baseball too. You did play baseball. And yeah, and go, yeah, no, you did play baseball. I did. Right. When we were talking about football. I know I did play a little football. I didn't I play did. varsity football. I was saying though. you played tennis though. I did play tennis. I'm not ashamed. Of you it. guys know who Bill Waite was? No. Uh-uh. He was a tennis coach at Fresno city college for a lot of years. Uh, when Bill music was a football coach, Bill coached tennis and football. But he played in the Canadian Football League. But he coached tennis at Fresno City College. So I remember as a kid going out to watch him because he was buddies with my dad. And you've got this 6'2", ripped up, tan, tank top, <laughs> hulked over dude coaching tennis. I'm like, huh, that's, is that what a tennis player looks like? <laughs> no. no, not typically, no. Yeah, but, but I, I agree with that. Football is like, it's just... There's it's action. Yeah, baseball. There's not a lot of action. It's 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 a boring sport if you don't understand yes. the sport. Yeah, you it know, can be. That's and that's why it's lost a yeah. lot of fan following. I think, and I hope Major League Baseball continues to try to do a better job to bring more people in. And but you do get that experience at minor league games. Is yeah. you've got ownership that needs people in the stands, and it's not necessarily just your average baseball fan you're trying to attract. You're trying to attack, attract an entertainment dollar. Mm-hmm. Like instead of going to the movies or instead of doing this, we're going to go to the Grizzlies game. And I think new ownership has really tried to do that. And they'll continue to do that with an A-ball team. Yeah. Yeah. For no, sure. The kid, the times we've I've taken Sammy out there, she's enjoyed it. She, her favorites, the Bulldogs games, but um, 
Hope is she you, the one? Is that the high pitched voice I hear heckling me at third base? It might be. Okay, might be. No, that's me. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so go support, go support the Grizzlies. Yeah. I mean, it's, support everything. Yeah, get out there and, and see everybody. You can go on a Friday night and watch the dogs, and Saturday night watch a game. Uh, you can go watch this, this city during the day and yeah. get the Grizzlies at night. Um, the next thing we're going to get into, and I, you kind of hit up Chad. We were we were talking about with what's gone on with COVID, um, seasons getting canceled. There's been a lot. Of recruiting, well, not, not recruiting. recruiting, but commitments to you name it: NAIA, D two, D one, D threes, and no D ones can recruit and since last April, I think. Yeah, and it, it's been extended until this April, a dead period, which means so a full year. Yeah, no in person contact between coaches and players. You can't go to games. They can't be on campus for camps. Um. So to, to get out and evaluate a kid on the field, you're just not able to do it right now. So um, the commitment level has been very high, and I don't think just in our area. I think probably across the country. And, and I don't do that anymore. That's not my role at Fresno State. Um, I just show up and coach, and, and I know that's Ryan's role now. But, but the, um, you were really good when you were there at Fresno State. As a recruiting and before we go too far into it, I do want to say, and I, I, we maybe agree or agree to disagree or whatever. I think that while travel ball to me at times is too much, um, as far as how long they go, mm-hmm. um, especially at certain age levels, um, in this time, you know, it has been a positive for sure. Yeah. Because it's the only opportunity some kids that may have never gotten a look mm-hmm. got. So I don't want to knock it completely. I just wanted to preface. Our yeah, no, you're, you're right. And there are a couple really good travel ball organizations in our area from little league aged kids all the way up through high school. And it has been a really good outlet for a lot of kids to get out on the field and continue to play when they otherwise wouldn't be able to because their school sports are shut down. And little leagues are shut down and all that stuff. Um, but I think what's happened and, and what you see happening, like there's been a record number of commitments nationally, and not just with seniors and juniors, but also young kids. Um, and we've, we've got 11.7 scholarships for 25 guys on the roster. And the NC2A has provided some relief uh, with Division One schools because of COVID and because of the backlog of players that have stayed and gotten an extra year of eligibility. So they've gotten rid of scholarship minimums for a couple of years and they've gotten rid of roster caps for a couple of years. And they're, they're, they're giving schools and baseball programs the relief they need to make their roster sizes work with the players they've got and the incoming players they've got to continue to recruit. But at the end of the day, no matter how many kids you've got on your roster, whether it's 32 or 40 or... 25 guys on scholarship or 27 guys on scholarship or 35 guys on scholarship because of the relief the NC2A has provided. You got nine, you got eight position players on the field and one guy on the mound, three guys on the mound for the weekend and five or six guys out of the bullpen that are really going to pitch a lot. Maybe three other bats on the bench. Um, there's going to be a lot of very disappointed families. I think 
here in the next couple of years when all these commitments can't possibly be honored financially from a roster size perspective um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, And when you offer a kid a scholarship, and and I've done a lot of that, um, I always, and I I wasn't perfect. I made my mistakes in evaluations. I made my mistakes in in a lot of ways in that uh, job. But you try to go out and do the best job you can to evaluate a kid that can play in your program. And I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine this morning, he's got high school age kids. He works on our campus, and he's always asking me questions about this or that. The NC2A put a recruiting process and a bunch of rules in place a long time ago for some reasons. Um, and in your senior year, you can take an official visit. You can take five of them. You can go to those campuses. Now, right now, you can't because of the dead period. And... You can take those five visits. You can visit with the coaches. You can see the campus. You can meet the academic staff. You can meet the weight training staff. You can meet the medical staff. You can talk with the players. You stay with a player. You got to dinner with everybody. And you can have those conversations. If I'm on a recruiting trip and you guys are playing at the program I want to go to, I can talk to you about, hey, what's it, what's it really like to play here? What are these coaches like? What's a day like here? What's it like going to class and playing baseball? What's travel like? And as a 17- or 18-year-old brain, I have the maturity to maybe process that a little bit better than a younger kid in, in, in your freshman or sophomore year of high school when you don't even really know what that means yet. And as a parent of a child that age, you're in that frame of mind also. Um, the buddy I was talking to today, you know, when his son was a sixth grader, seventh grader, he was going to Oregon or Stanford, or UW, or USC. That's where he's going, okay? What hasn't shaked out that way for him? And this dad, his mentality about that process has also matured along with the age of his son because now he has a better understanding of what it really is. It's no longer just a dream or a hope. And those are good things. Kids should have dreams and hopes, and so should parents. Um, But it's become a reality now. And when you're 17 years old, and you have the emotional capacity to understand the decision you're making and choosing a school for a major I might want, for a job I may want to have someday, to be around coaches that are going to help develop me into the best player I can be, that's the biggest decision they will have made up to that point in their life, where I'm going to go play baseball in college. And I don't know if you can make that decision as a 15-year-old or even maybe a 16-year-old And I don't know if a parent's capable of understanding that decision if that's the only child they've ever had go through that process because their mentality about that next step is not that far off from their child's. Now, if you grew up a stone's throw away from Goodwin Field in your Belinda and you've been to every Cal State Fullerton camp every season your entire life, and your dad knows one of the coaches, or they went to high school together, and you've hit with that assistant coach at every camp your whole life, and they offer you as a freshman or a sophomore, and you've never wanted to go anywhere else but Cal State Fullerton, that decision makes complete sense. But I think what is happening, or if you get an offer from a super high-end academic institution that might change your life, I understand that decision too. But when you get an offer from a school that you've kind of heard of 
but you don't know anyone that went there and you've never met the coaches and you've never been to any of their camps and you jump at that opportunity like it's going to be the only opportunity you get at that young of an age, that's a tough context to make that decision from because I don't know if you truly understand what all that means. I've got my 15-year-old sophomore sitting over there, Jackson, he plays water polo and baseball, primarily water polo. If USC called me and said, hey, we, we've got a scholarship for your son to come play water polo at USC, and he's 15 years old. As a parent, absolutely, let's go. Where do I sign? Can he take a trip to see you guys? No, not right now. He's too young. Okay. Can he talk to any of your players? No, not right now. He's too young. Huh. Well, okay, we're still going to do it because it's USC, and that's a great institution and a great degree, and they've got a fantastic water polo program. I really don't know what I'm doing making that decision. I don't have the, I don't understand the water polo world all that much, and I don't have the context to help him make a great decision, even though it's a great opportunity. Um, and I'm not saying that's the wrong decision. I'm just saying I think it's a little bit irresponsible, not on the parents' side at all or the kids' side at all. Because it's an opportunity for them, a family, an education, to help get it paid for, all those things. But we as coaches, we know what we're doing. We know what our scholarship numbers are. We know what they're going to be a year from now, two years from now, usually. And you know who you're talking to. Yeah. And how many. Right. And I see a lot of schools on the West Coast and probably other places as well that have upwards of 15 to 30 commitments out of kids in the 2022 class or the 2023 class. And at what point are they unable to honor those offers? And I really feel, I feel bad for the families that are going to get that phone call because somebody's gonna, they can't honor all of them. They can honor some of them, maybe even most of them, depending on how many they're handing out. And I'm not saying I have any business telling those guys how to do their job. Um, they got to do what they got to do for their head coach and their program and make sure they got their classes stacked the way they need them. But the reality of it is you're going to have a, a huge number of kids and families that are going to get bad phone calls two years from now, three years from now when they're in their senior year. And I just think it's an unfortunate direction that recruiting is gone. And I know football and basketball have been like that for a long time. Baseball's starting to creep that direction now, too. Should the NCAA, uh, <clears throat> NCAA intervene in something like that? I mean, I mean we've, we've got rules in place. I mean, that's some ethical I mean, issues you run into, I, w- I would think. I well, mean, I mean does- technically, you can't sign a letter of intent till. Your senior year. November, November, your senior year is the first binding opportunity you have. I mean, have. You, you also can't take a visit till your senior year, but I can go watch Cal Fullerton in season all day long. Yeah, you can take unofficial and visits so, on your own dime and, and go do that. And, and that, those are great things to do to get to know programs and players. And um, I mean, that's why when we talk about camps, yeah. it's so important because that's – while you're not – it's not a visit. It, it is a visit. It's everything you – other than maybe working with players and you're young, but you get yeah. to see – that environment is somewhat. I think the NC2A has got the right rules in place. I think that as recruiting has sped up, just like it did in basketball and football, um, you know, offers when I was doing it, it was primarily juniors and seniors, right? Okay. So fast forward seven years, 
and it's creeped down to younger grade levels than that. And that's okay too. I mean, as long as you're sure you can project what a 15 year old is going to look like when he's 20, um, what his arm's going to do, what his body's going to do, what his work ethic's like. If you've got all those questions answered and it's a fit, then yeah, go for it. I just think it's, it's really, really, you got to be really good to do that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't look at a kid that was a freshman and say, he's going to be a division one player. I could look at a kid that's a freshman and say, man, he's got actions. He's polished up a little bit. He can run. Um, he's got a good arm for that age. Uh, is it going to continue to develop? It probably will. But to the degree we need it to, to be a division one player, that's a lot of years to project. Um, whereas when a kid's 16, 17, even 18 for sure, they're more physically close to their ceiling. So your margin for error is much less. I mean, think about every Division One program in the country has guys there. They were sure we're going to be impact players. I did. I recruited plenty of guys I thought were going to impact our program and didn't for whatever reason. Um, and guys, I took flyers on as walk-ons that ended up being in the big leagues. So, I mean, I missed on both sides of it. I just think the closer you get to that physical maturity and emotional and mental maturity to make that kind of decision, the better off you are, not only as a coaching staff, but more importantly, as a family that's making that decision for your son or daughter in a female sport. Um, and I know it's a little bit different on the female side because girls mature faster than boys physically and emotionally. But that's just a that's a reach in a lot of ways. And if you're only doing it with a guy here and a guy there, it still really isn't that big of a deal. But when you're doing it with 30 kids, that's where it becomes, I think, an ethical dilemma on the side of the, the colleges. Coaches, yeah. We should know better than to do that if we have a kid in our backyard that's come to all our camps and hit with us at camps and done this or done that, and you know the family, you're in a little safer situation. Um, but, you know, if if we're doing that with a kid from San Bernardino that we don't know, just because sent me a video and it looked pretty good, uh, it's, it's a big risk. Um and it's a it's a risk for the coaches. It's a risk for the program, but you're putting families in a situation where the likelihood of them being disappointed is very high. And and you don't fault the families. I mean, you got a scholarship. I mean, uh, when Jack was four, I took him with me to area code games down in Long Beach, and uh, Frank Cruz was the USC coach at the time, and he wrote on a napkin he was going to offer Jack a baseball scholarship at four years old to come to USC. I still got that napkin. <laughs> I don't call Teddy Silva and make sure that that you know, it's still binding at this point. But you know, of course we want that for our kids. Of course we do. Um, I, I agree. You get jacked up for it too when you when you hear it. One of the things, again, because I I've never recruited a kid, so I don't know how the process really works, but. The instance where it's a 10th grader and, you know, we're going to offer a little Johnny, um, you got a week. Or we need to know now. You know, because that's why I like Jason Donald's episode, if you ever heard that one. I mean, he committed late. Mm -hmm. he was, And he was pretty much dead set on Fullerton mm -hmm. until he got his official visit to Arizona. was like, right. whoa. Mm -hmm. So... 
what do you say to a parent that's getting pushed by a school to take our offer or we're going to pull it? I would say a couple things. If you get offered by a school that's your dream school, like you always wanted to go there, no doubt in your mind, there was no other place you ever saw yourself playing college baseball. And if you get that offer and it's right, then absolutely take it. But if it's taking an offer for the sake of taking an offer, one, because you want to put it on social media, it's not the right reason to do it, or two, because you're afraid you're not going to get another offer, well, that probably means you're not good enough to go play at that school anyway, and you're going to be bounced back at some point. Um, fit is gigantic in terms of deciding where you want to go for a, for a family and for a coaching staff. The kids got to fit us. We've got to fit them. And that's the beauty about the official visit is you get that feel. You're sitting across the table from the coaches. In our case, you know, you're, you're on an official visit. You're talking to Bates with your parents. First thing he's going to talk to you about is his academics. This is what we're going to do to get your kid a degree. The baseball is going to take care of itself. For me as a parent, and when I did all that stuff, my kids were little. I didn't, I knew it was my job to do that, so I understood it. But now as a parent of older children, I have a greater appreciation for that aspect of recruiting. It's way more important than are they going to play in the big leagues? Are they going to get a degree? And so. If you're worried about this, I got a phone call from a coach I've never met or I got a third-party phone call from my baseball coach from a coach because I'm only 15 and they're not allowed to call me yet and all that other nonsense that happens. Um, If I get a call from a coach I've never met from a school I've never been to or maybe never heard of and I jump at that commitment, it's probably not for the right reasons. I would tell that, just wait it out, man. Let it let it happen. If you're good enough, it's going to happen. I mean, especially if you're a freshman or sophomore, it's probably not going to be your first offer or only offer. If you're that good and you're getting attention at that age, you're going to get more attention. Yeah. So. What about, uh, I'm seeing more of this too. I'm seeing kids being ranked, whether it's area code, um, perfect game, PBR, ranking all these Mm -hmm. prospects um, for a showcase. It's what, 800 bucks? I saw, I don't know, I think it was like 899 or... It's a lot. If I pay an extra 50, do I get a higher ranking? Who knows? Probably. That that would be my question is... If you pay 899 and throw a donation as a sponsor, who knows what they'll do for you. We're in an era of... What can I post online about my child's achievements? Mm-hmm. And those aren't bad things. You should be proud of what your children achieve. I mean, it used to just be a bumper sticker, right? <laughs> my kid's the honor, student of the honor, week. Honor, it, yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> so it used to just be a bumper sticker. Well, now it's social media, and parents are proud. I mean, your dad was as proud as any dad I've ever seen when you played. Um, my parents were proud, and I'm proud of my kids. Everybody's proud of their kids, and no one should take that away from parents or what they've achieved or what they've done. But to to try to chase those types of rankings from those different organizations, um, you're ranked the 18th best player in the country. At your age. By the way, the country's a big place, by the way. <laughs> it's a lot of players. 
So, so I don't know how valid those rankings are, but secondarily, if you're just going after those rankings for the sake of going after the rankings, that's fine. Post it, be happy about it, celebrate it, all that stuff. But understand at the end of the day, you got to put your spikes on and you got to go on the field and earn a job on a division one roster, which is not that easy to do because players are very good. Oh, and by the way, then you have to have some success to stay in the lineup or stay on the mound or stay coming out of the bullpen. And then you got to produce. So all the fluff all of a sudden doesn't matter anymore when you're 0 for 9 and you can't buy a hit or you just gave up a game winner because you hung a change up or you kicked your third ground ball of the game. Your rankings don't come into play anymore. All that stuff's gone. It's not real. None of it's real. Like the only thing that's real is what you do on the field. Right. Everything else is just for show. So you can you can feel good about all that stuff and those achievements are great. There's nothing wrong with being the honor roll student, you know, three semesters in a row at whatever elementary school you go to. But at the end of the day, you gotta actually do something. And I think social media has skipped that part of it a little bit, the actually doing something. Um, and now that it's bled into recruiting, like you're making, you're, you're putting families in a position to make decisions that aren't real. Like it's not, it's not real. I got a scholarship offered from a coach that never saw me play from a school I've never heard of. How real is that? It's not. On a video I posted of one swing. Right. So it's it's unfortunate that it's gone that way. I think it'll work its way back because guys are going to get fired. I mean, you don't bring in good players. You don't win games. You don't you keep your job. I mean, that should be an evaluation, a part of the evaluation process too. Am I getting an offer, right? This is this guy's first year at that college. Yeah. And I'm a sophomore. Maybe I wait. Tell I'm a junior. Maybe I wait a year and see how that program does their first year. Or if I'm a freshman, give it a couple of years. Let's see. And if you're a real dude, you get an offer as a sophomore. Yeah. From a can, school. You, you can you... afford to make that decision. Say, so if I got an offer from these guys, I'm probably going to get an offer from these guys yeah. too that I'm watching playing in Omaha. Right. Let's wait this thing out a little bit. And if they want me bad enough, it will probably be there still. Still be there. Yeah. Because I can't sign anyways. Right. Because even if, even if you tell me you have to commit to me, like that's what I that's what I think about and what I tell people because it wasn't like that when I was going to high school and you had you had a you had a bunch of D one guys at Central when we were when I, my senior year that were going D one we didn't get recruited Mm-mm. until our junior year to sign our senior year so I just couldn't imagine like not going on a recruiting trip until your senior year why would I even commit to something as a freshman or put it out there. Yeah, my thing would be like, okay, this is a family thing. Okay, I got this school, this school, this school. Let's keep it between us. But everybody wants about me, 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 rather than just keep it. And then we'll make a decision, November, whatever, mm-hmm. and make it kind of like a special thing. Yeah, I think that's kind of missing too. It's like because guess what? I might not want that school when I'm 18 or 17, three years from now. Because a new coach, like you're saying, right. or you know that program's not where it is, or, yeah. or now you, Vanderbilt, you, or you, you know. tweeted something about go look at go look at who all these guys they just signed last yep. year. Yep. They signed four shortstops. I, I would be I would 
be cautious and want to do my homework if I were a, even a junior or senior in high school if I'm getting offered by a program. What's the roster look like? Yeah. Um, who else have they recruited? Who they sign in November? In the draft, changes that a little bit. And, and there's, there's always attrition in a program. Guys transfer out and guys transfer in from junior colleges and all this stuff. And I just think the more information you have, the better. And the more emotionally and mentally ready you are to understand what going to college is and what playing baseball in college is, the more likely you are to make a good decision. Um, because transferring is no good, man. No. I mean, it's... It's like a red flag. You go, you go to one school and you bounce to another school because it didn't work out. or And maybe it just legitimately didn't work out. But did it not work out because the staff changed or you changed or the coaches changed or did you not take a visit there? Did you jump at the wrong opportunity because it was the first opportunity? Um, and, and there's a lot of pressure on players right now in high school to make a commitment. It's kind of become the thing, right? I got to make, I got to commit. I want to get it over with. I want to commit and get it over with. Well, make the best decision. Don't make the fastest decision would be my advice. If anybody wanted it, which I don't know that anybody does, but, um, because it's a big decision. I'm going to be around four coaches and I'm going to have my kid around four coaches. They're going to take him from the ages of 18 to 21. That's the portion of your life as a young man where you become a young man. Your value system, your direction in life, what you think you might want to do for a living, the girl you meet to marry maybe, like all that stuff happens around that age. That's a lot of, a lot of stuff in your life that's going to be determined by where you decide to go to college, whether it's for baseball or water polo or equestrian or whatever it is that you participate in. And I would think you'd want to make the best possible decision with the most information you have rather than just make a decision for the sake of doing it and getting it over with. No, I agree. And I think hearing this stuff, to be an eighth grader, this is not fun. (laughs) It's not fun. How am I supposed to enjoy playing baseball at 14 when this is what's on my mind? And here's the other part of it, though. By the way... There are I, – I, I printed it out just because I've got a bad memory. I wanted to make sure I said the right percentages. 2.2% of all high school baseball players will play Division One baseball. 2.2. And there's other levels, obviously. 7% of kids that play high school baseball will ever play some form of college baseball. It's a pretty low number. So to put that kind of pressure on yourself as a, as a, young, as a 14, 15, 16-year-old – it's a lot of pressure. And when I coached high school baseball, I tried to tell parents, get the idea of a scholarship out of your brain. If you're playing a sport to get a scholarship, it's not going to happen. It's just not. The percentages say it's not. But if you're playing a sport, whether it's baseball or football or polo or whatever, to learn how to be a good teammate, to overcome adversity, to work in a team setting, to learn all the lessons, to overcome adversity, to learn all the lessons that high school sports can teach you, your ability level physically, your makeup, that'll take care of getting a scholarship. That's going to happen if you're good enough. But 97.8% of kids across the country that play high school baseball aren't good enough to play Division One baseball. It's a big country. It's a big country. And only 2.2% get to? 
that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself if you're just playing to get that offer, get that scholarship. And then once you get there, you know, the, the, the offer's the first part, and it's the smallest part. Now you got to go get good grades, go to your tutoring sessions, kill it in the weight room, understand your nutrition, get a thousand swings a day on your own, by the way, because we have practice limitations and hours and things like that. Um, it's a long road to be a successful Division One baseball player. That's why only 2.2% kids even get there. And to go out as an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader to say, I'm doing this to get an offer, <laughs> good luck. I mean, it's like saying I'm going to work every day to be a millionaire. It's facts. Yeah. No, I love it. I think this is very good information for people to hear. We haven't really hit on this topic a lot or as in-depth as we've wanted to, even with the OV, and we probably should have. Um, but I think, and a lot of parents listen to this, maybe more than the kids do. Uh, maybe uh, the kids should listen to this. If you are a parent watching or listening, I think your kids should hear that last 25 minutes. Uh, I think that's perfect. Um, even their high school coaches, um, their travel ball coaches, whoever is helping getting them recruited. And, and as a high, before I went to go work at Fresno State as a high school coach, I didn't understand all this stuff either. I mean, I played college baseball, but I didn't know how scholarships worked or roster management or all that stuff. Because I wasn't in that world. It didn't mean I couldn't understand it. It just mean I, it means I wasn't around it. And, and most high school coaches, if they've had a lot of kids recruited, have a deeper understanding of it than others. Um, but there's some nuances of it that parents just don't know about. Um, and that's okay. It's not their fault. You just don't put that much pressure on yourself as a kid or a family to chase that ring because the likelihood of it happening is not high. Play sports to play sports. Play sports because you enjoy it, because you like to compete, all those other reasons that we talked about. But if you're just doing it to get that offer, oh, man, you're going to be one disappointed puppy. No, I agree. I agree. I love it. That was um, a downer. No, Sorry, no, guys. but I mean, sometimes. Th- That's the truth. It needs to get out there. I think people need to be realistic about the situation. And, you know, again, 2.2%. Yeah, and, and, and But don't abandon the dream of doing it. I mean, you take a kid like Austin wins. I saw Austin in an absolutely nothing throwaway summer ball tournament in Stockton after he'd graduated from high school. He's already done in high school. He was going to go to Palomar Junior College. He's from Poway, North County, San Diego. He's a wrestler and played baseball. We needed catching depth. We already had a starter, uh, Trent Garrison. We needed another guy. We needed a bullpen guy. We needed a backup. So he walks on, earns a scholarship over a four-year period. Guy's played in the big leagues. He's got big league time. Yeah, He's, he was in AAA last year at the alternate site and um, had two or three different stints with the Orioles. So don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do it. I mean, especially guys like me. You go do what you do, and you work your tail off, and if you've got the ability, you'll get as far as you can get. For Austin, it was the big leagues. But you could – I'd have bet the ranch that kid wouldn't get out of A-ball when he got drafted. There is no shot. I, I, when I was coaching at Washington State his senior year, I called him and said, look, dude, your career's almost over. You had a good run. You were a good bulldog. Why don't you come be our volunteer assistant next year and start your coaching career? It's a good thing you didn't listen to me. The guy's got big league time now. So, I mean, we don't know everything. I certainly don't know everything. You just see enough of it, and there's there's just so many red flags right now for kids and families to be 
well, at least aware of. And don't put the D1 or bust. Get that mindset gone. There's nothing wrong with the Division Two. There's nothing wrong with the D3 NAI going to JC and seeing where you can progress mm-hmm. from there. Don't put your eggs in this one basket. That's not the end-all, be-all. While it's great and everybody aspires to be the best, sure. Uh, sometimes that's just not the route that it goes. Well, we've had a lot of guys on here. The majority were JUCO guys. Mm-hmm. So, Well, what's wrong with at the end of it when you're 17 on signing day having 10 options? Right. I, like, what's wrong with that? I just, I just well, don't you see. don't. Yeah, I mean, the guys that do the football commit—they have what five hats? Yeah, at not least. one. I mean, That's I don't it. see anything wrong with that. So, well, we got an, Alex, my eleven-year-old, got an offer um, t- from the breakdancing team at Tulane. <laughs> Jay Ullman, who's a buddy of mine, is an assistant baseball coach right now. He's going to resign as a baseball coach. He's going to start a breakdancing team at Tulane. So, <laughs> I think that. We're looking forward to that. And I don't think sixth grade's too early to commit to something like breakdancing because he's still pretty flexible now. Yeah. Wrestled. And- oh, this is good. Good. Uh, moving moving on. We're going to finish with this. Uh, next month, January, uh, you've got the, the riders that will come out with the 2021 class of the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned earlier that they're – Did I make the – I don't think I made the ballot this year. I don't I don't think yeah. so. I didn't – I looked. Pretty disappointing. Um, I did see that I think uh, a report, which I don't know how they would have this info, that that Bonds and Clemens were going to be roughly 10% shy of what they needed. Um, Did you have a – we did did ballots. This was my ballot. I don't think – Who's on it? Let me look and see who's on it. I don't think we ever posted it. It's a a nice ring there. Mark Burley. Yeah. Don't mind my ring. (laughs) I don't wear it that often. I just like to remember the good times. Those were good times. I'm, I'm fine with it. Where where do you sit on that that debate of the first two people I voted for on there were were Bonds and Clemens. So I go back to Pete Rose. Somebody got all those hits. Should Pete Rose be banned from baseball for life for betting on the game? Yes. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? I think so. Agreed. He got all those hits. Um, Clemens and Bonds are two of the best players, if not the best players, of their era. They got to be in the hall for what they did on the field. Now tell the story of what they did also. You can't leave that out. But Well, Bonds is still yeah. alleged, right? There's never yeah. been anything, I mean, other than his hat size. The maybe. transformation <laughs> and definitely the, that. The Hulk, the I mean, Hulk-like. I, the only thing he didn't do is turn I mean, green. It is innocent until proven up, guilty, though. Right? Helmet ended up being like this. <laughs> <the last week>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is innocent until proven guilty. I don't think there's a lot of red but flags. But Pete Rose also was popped when he was a manager. Yes. So don't let him in as a manager. Right. That's yeah. what I say. I don't know. I mean, if you go dig through the exploits of a lot of guys in every of every one of the Hall of Fames, basketball, football, baseball, you're going to come up with some seedy dudes um, off the field and their families and all that other stuff. But they're in the Hall of Fame for what they did on the field. And that era was, I think, more inundated with performance enhancers than we even know. I think it was very widespread. I watched a former college teammate of mine in AAA who had never hit a ball over any fence in his life, including college, hit 12 home runs in AAA one year, and this was in the mid to late 90s. And his body looked very different 
than when I had seen him in college. And there's some physical maturity that happens to guys at 22, 23 years old. But I think throughout baseball during that era, guys were doing what they, whatever they could do because it wasn't illegal at the time. No. And so they were doing it. Um, you know, I have students that accuse me now of being on steroids in the classroom because I teach so hard every day and I'm so enthusiastic. And I don't know. I've and, been in your class. And, I, don't, and, I don't believe that. And, <laughs> and, and, I mean, we get after it, especially on Zoom. Um, but uh, And I don't mean to make light of that. I like to have fun with my kids, so some of them probably might think that. But um, I don't know. I think they got to be in based on what they did. It's the all-time home run leader is not in the Hall of Fame. For the sport, I, it, it just, it's a little bit baffling. But then well, Jeter didn't get 100% of the vote either. No. Like, what guy didn't vote for Derek Jeter? I don't know. Do they? Do know. they that's, that's another argument. I would love to see who the ballots of who voted for who. And I that. just feel like it. it I don't think it, it should be the writers. Be, I don't think it should be 100% ever. Or the writers. I think Hall of Fame members should be the ones that vote on who gets into the Hall of Fame. Yes. I think that. Or if you have, I said if you have big league time, but maybe if you have 10 years. Yeah, veterans, 10-year yeah. veterans, yeah. I think you should be able to vote too because you played with those mm-hmm. guys. Yep. But the writers, maybe a percentage, but I don't. Yeah, get, I don't guys know. that never played the game have a vote. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. The vote, not a vote. Yeah, the vote. The vote. Well, no, Hall of Famers vote too. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't like it. I mean, Bonds' numbers, his numbers are insane. Even before he was with the Giants, he was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So he I mean, If he had just continued on that path. He, he still would be Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah. I mean, he still would add the most MVPs. Well, what, what, would, what would Ken Griffey Jr. have done had he yeah. taken steroids during his injury-plagued years with the Reds? And got back healthy. He'd be the all-time home. Probably. Player. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair argument. He missed the equivalent of like two full seasons yeah. or three full seasons or something like that. Yeah, you know, the other thing I told Chad earlier was, who's – what are you – there were college guys Oh yeah, and those that times, were doing steroids that – Probably were first round draft picks. Why'd you point at me? I'm not I'm saying like, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know what I'm probably they, and we don't know who they are. Nope. And they, in that time frame, in the 90s, who knows now. if you know they've had. Why point at me? I'm gay. <laughs> Jesus, hey, what are you uh, doing? There's a lot of accusations being thrown around this table. Know. But no, there were there. I'm sure there were guys. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there are. You know, and they benefited from. I mean, are the commissioner of that era. Is in the Hall of Fame. And he knew what was going on. That's, that's How is that different than what the Astros and the Red Sox did? Yeah. You ended guys' careers. You got guys demoted because you cheated. Why, why is one form of cheating different than the other? Yeah. So you can justify one but not the other. Like it, there's no consistency to it. So, I don't know. You had to ban one, you know, Pete from baseball completely, who was a real pleasure to talk to, by the way. Uh, What's his hair look like in person? Get a hat on. Yeah, he wears a hat 24-7. I would, too, if I had hair like that. I think it's thin <laughs> up top. But yeah. I know, he was he was fun. I wonder if he has the monk, you know, where it's long <laughs> everywhere but bald on top. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. We just, I wanted to pick your brain. I, I mean, that's a pretty interesting list. Uh, yeah. I just thought that those guys are, to me, it's like you go look at Manny Ramirez's numbers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I increased. I don't really. I never really liked him. I didn't like his Manny being Manny. Yeah, I just wasn't a big fan. But yeah. you go go look at the guy's numbers. It's insane. I know, phenomenal. I don't. What player other than Barry Bonds in the modern modern era did you stop what you were doing to watch hit? 
For me, it was Griffey, just because yeah. that was my guy. That was, that was Griffey. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe a couple others. I mean, I was. A, I'm a Braves fan. I, I mean, Chipper. but a guy like that, yeah. But I mean, Chipper, yeah. the whole team, I like. But like to outside of that, like, Bear, like Barry maybe Bonds Frank Thomas. Yeah, I was a Frank Thomas fan. Maybe was a Mark McGuire, gigantic man, by the way. Yeah. We, when I took Ribera back to the home run derby at Rosenblatt in 2010. Andre Dawson was there, who looked like he could still play. Um, Mike Schmidt was there, who was one of my favorite players growing up. And then Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas fills out the doorway. Like he's gigantic. <laughs> the big, he just, I, yeah, he's huge. I mean, His shoulders are this wide. His head's this wide. Like every, he's gigantic. That might be uh, one other guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to McGuire. think. Of, yeah, Mark yeah. McGuire probably was a guy. Sosa that year. That mm-hmm. year. Um. Yeah, I don't know. McGuire's another guy that should be in. Yeah, I, I think. think so too. I mean, as much as I loved Tony Gwynn, like, did you stop to watch him hit? I mean, maybe he might be a guy that people just enjoyed watch play and hit. I was doing a hitting talk at San Diego State at a camp a long time ago, and I'm about three quarters of the way through the talk, talking to these kids in the cage. I happened to turn around, and Tony Gwynn was standing behind me. <laughs> And I'm thinking to myself, "What are you pointing at me for?" I, I, I hope I hope he hasn't been standing there that long, because I don't want to know what he thinks or what I just oh. said. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll see I what heard, happens. I actually heard it was tough for him to teach hitting. I heard from uh, I had a couple of buddies that played at San Diego State, and he because he was so good at it yeah. that it was really hard for him to teach guys how to understand how to do it. Yeah, you just do this and this and this. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, Get a bunch of hits. Wake yeah. up and hit, you know, 340. I mean, right. come on, guys. Yeah. But they said he was a great, like, like coach. Everybody loved him from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, just a phenomenal guy. I also heard that um, from Eric Valenzuela, the head coach at Long Beach now, was his assistant at one time. And uh, he said he would show up to the field every morning in his uniform sit in the office in his uniform all day. Like, he wore his uniform every day, whether it was a practice uniform or a game uniform. He just, he loved it. Well, 20-plus years in doing it, he probably was just used to it. Yeah. yeah it's, uh... I wore my cup for the first two years coaching because I was so, <laughs> I was so I, like, having a uniform without a cup, I wasn't used to it. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm not going to say, I'm gonna say one word about yeah. that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Why'd you stop wearing it? Well, because, I mean, <laughs> coaching, uh, Well, we're just going to have to wait. I guess we'll wait and see next yeah. month uh, what they decide. I mean, I don't, on that list, uh, who else was on there, Chad? Billy Wagner, uh, I thought, Abreu, was it? I mean, Abreu, Bonds, Burley, A.J. Burnett, Clemens, Kadire, Dan Heron, Troy Ho- LaTroy Hawkins, Helton, Tim Hudson, Tory Hunter, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Andy Pettit. Ramos Ramirez, Manny Ramirez, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, Nick Swisher, Shane Victorino, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, and Barry Zito. Helton should get in. Yeah, I think Helton's... Uh, My 10, you could vote for 10. I said Barry Bonds, Clemens, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Omar Vizquel, and Billy Wagner. Yeah. I think Billy Wagner's like top six in career saves. saves. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We'll see what they decide to do again. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the riders, but uh, whatever. It is what it is. We can't control it. Barry Bonds, he'll be the guy. Like they always, you know, how they're letting the old guys back in the Hall of Fame. Like later on, they do one. 
He'll be that guy. Veterans committee. Yeah. 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 I hope so. I hope he gets in at some point. No, I agree. Um, well, it's been fun, man. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you doing yeah. this. Thank you guys for having me. It's been yeah. good. Yeah. We, uh, fan, fan of the dogs, fan of what you guys do. Um, I think that's a great question. We might have to put that on Twitter. Who, who in, in that era would you stop and watch an AB for that maybe is a team you weren't a fan of? I think that's a pretty good question. For me, in general, Griff, Griffey and Bonds. But the one guy more than anyone else I would stop and watch was Bo Jackson. I was going to say Bo Jackson, too, but I didn't. At know. any point, he could hit an inside the park home run or hit one 500 feet. I mean, he was, <laughs> or run through a fence. Man, if he never got hurt. And if he had come along 10 years later, everybody would have thought steroids. Yeah, probably. He was in the right era for, for him. I mean, how, and that was another question. It was how many guys were, because I don't remember him and Deion Sanders that were two way. Ron Gant. Was Ron, uh, there was a, another Atlanta outfielder. Ron Gant. It wasn't him. It I'm, wasn't I'm Ron thinking Gant. of somebody else. Um, shoot, I can't remember his name, but he, was, he played football, so. What what years? What years was it? Was same, like same time frame as Sanders, maybe a little bit after Sanders. Um, I'm just trying to think of their outfielders. Otis Nixon was an outfielder. Freddie, no, no, he's old. He was old. Nixon was old when he was like eighteen. Yeah, he was, that guy had an old man face when he was a rookie. It's like <laughs> Willie McGee. He was. Uh, who else was on there? I forget who else was on the outfield there. David Justice. Somebody's gonna say it when they're watching yeah. this. And yeah, no, I just think that's a good question, but. Uh, Anyways, no, thank you again. No, thank you, guys. Um, again, the store stuff should be shipping out next week. Um, or this week. Or this week, yeah. The, show the next out. couple days when this comes out. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for that. And uh, that's uh, episode 88, Bush League, Mr. Pat Ware, the Hit or Die podcast. Hit or Die. All right, guys, thanks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.